0: Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Tuesday, July 12th edition of the Basement Academy, our little gymnasium of the soul here. Let's go in for a workout. Uh, on day 12, we read Psalm 12. Uh, we've read this a number of times over the last couple of years. For the director of music, the Psalm of David. Help, Lord, for the godly are no more. The faithful have vanished from among men. Everyone lies to his neighbor. Their flattering lips speak with deception. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and every boastful tongue that says we will triumph with our tongues. We own our lips. Who is our master? Because of the oppression of the weak and the groaning of the needy, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times. O Lord, you will keep us safe and protect us from such people forever. The wicked freely strut about when what is vile is honored among men. And that's Psalm 12 somewhat of a prayer of distress about the state of affairs in the world. Everyone has flattering, boastful lips. They're deceptive, kind of a no one does good. And it's easy to look at the world and and think that. But of course, we'd be implicating ourselves, right? And, And we should, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and every boastful tongue. And so let's begin with ourselves. Let's make sure our lips and our tongues are not flattering and boastful and deceitful. But we uh, we, we harness and bridle our tongues for good. Uh, kind of reminds us of James's teaching uh, from several weeks ago we studied. Okay, uh, just offering some... Other thoughts that I've been rolling around in my head today. I would like to talk about the the. I'm saying collegial sermons, but it's sermons by colleagues. So I I I, I don't know if I'm doing a wordplay here because these are collegial sermons. They're friendly. They're gracious. Um, and so, um, three sermons I've listened to by uh, Presbytery colleagues, one a former colleague who's now down in North Carolina. Um, I'll start with a sermon I listened to right after the um, Roe reversal decision. I was curious to hear how some colleagues in Presbytery were addressing it. Were they addressing it from the pulpit or not? As you know, I chose not to, spoke to that, just kind of stayed on path with our uh, study on the Holy Spirit, but then chose the, this forum, uh, the Basement Academy, uh, for three mornings to address some thoughts. And so listen to a colleague, uh, Rachel, who preaches uh, at a church in D.C. Uh, she's the pastor there and got to know Rachel through Presbytery involvement, let's say, a dozen years ago. Um, delightful person, um, very gifted communicator, uh, and and so was interested to hear how uh, she would address, and so I believe they follow the lectionary, and the reading was from Colossians chapter 1 about uh, Jesus, the image of the invisible God. It's a beautiful hymn of praise uh, to, to Jesus Christ. And one of the lines uh, in that passage in Colossians 1 is that he reconciles all things uh, in heaven and on earth, making peace through his blood on the cross. And so Rachel um, very thoughtfully just kind of unpacked uh, the passage, uh, spoke obliquely to headlines and news that caused distress that may make one feel lonely or exposed. And so never directly spoke to uh, the headlines of the day, but I think it's pretty clear. Um, and I appreciate, I, I, I tend to move in that direction myself uh, to be a little more nuanced. Um, her view and the church that she would serve, I think would, be certainly on the side of upholding Roe as opposed to reversing it. But what I appreciated about the message was the the gracious tone. It was not angry. It was not bitter. In fact, it kept coming back to the reality that that we find our hope in Jesus Christ. We find our hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We find our hope in a new life that is uh, being born among us. And, and she had a, a, a refrain in there that we can live unafraid because of Jesus Christ, because of his resurrection, we can live unafraid. And so speaking perhaps to the fears of some or many in her congregation because of the reversal. Um, so I've not had a chance to speak with Rachel. I, I emailed her thanking her for her thoughtful message. She's been on vacation, so I ha- have not had occasion to um, visit with her. But I, I, I appreciate it. I was struck by that, um, uh, the wise, gracious, and Christ-centered tone of the message um, in a congregation where there might be some distress. Uh, second sermon uh, that I listened to, um, uh, Jarrett, he is down in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, a pastor there. He and his uh, wife are co-pastors uh, of that church. Uh, and Jared and I d- did not know each other well. We had had occasion to meet, but we never worked together um, in any presbytery committees. But he had reached out a couple weeks ago uh, and via email first. Uh, and then as I replied, we, we spoke by phone for about an hour. And he mentioned that he was going to be pre- preaching the lectionary. And so the passage he was going to uh, preach. Uh, the lectionary is it's a it's a, it's a sequence of uh, readings over a three-year cycle: Old Testament Psalm, New Testament Gospel, and so there's four readings on every Sunday, and then the the preacher will preach one or more of those and weave those together. Uh, I've never preached the lectionary, but I'm I'm sure it's a wonderful challenge and experience. The passage was about Elijah and Elisha, that transition of leadership when Elijah is taken up and the mantle falls to Elisha to uh, carry on uh, from the book of Kings. And and what he said, the angle he was going to explore was the kind of the different manifestation, the different personalities, that the friendship that they shared, though they were different people, and came at things. Elijah kind of, you know, breathing down fire against the prophets of of Baal, uh, etc., and Elisha seemingly more copacetic. (laughs) Um, And so he called because he recalled a a friendship that I had with another of our uh, mutual colleagues, Jeff. Jeff is now deceased, uh, Jeff of blessed memory, uh, who was Uh, an advocate for uh, uh, full inclusion of LGBTQ individuals. Um, And so Jeff and I were on different places on the theological spectrum, but we had uh, developed a friendship. Uh, We were uh, laboring together on a presbytery committee. In fact, it was the committee that was uh, put together to help the, the presbytery draft a gracious dismissal policy, okay, kind of the realignment process. Jeff and I um, were on a committee, and and he and I were the the primary or the principal crafters of that document. And out of that experience, uh, we began to get to know each other. Uh, I went there. He came here. We broke bread together. um, And then I asked Jeff if he would join me in a if he would be willing to partner with me in uh, an expression of collegiality for our presbytery. Um, Before every presbytery meeting that would begin at 6, I think it was like at 4.30 or maybe even 4 o'clock, there would be something called open space. And basically it would just be if somebody wanted to put on a seminar or wanted to discuss something, um, they could put it out there, anybody who wanted to come. It was kind of like just... You know, uh, open forum, if you want to come early to the meeting and sit in and hear about this mission trip that's going on to Turkey or, you know, summer youth camp or understand how Presbytery Finance works. And so I said, Jeff, would you be willing to help lead an open space on a regular basis every time we meet, which would be six times a year, and entitle the forum, Can We Talk? is it even possible, what I wanted to explore with him, is it even possible for conservatives and progressives to be in the same room together talking about a, 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 a topic of common interest, though we may not be agreed on the, the issue involved? And Jeff agreed. And so he and I uh, struck up this conversation both individually and then as we modeled this, uh, he and I would co-moderate or co-facilitate this, this thing. Um, we had occasion to uh, take that show on the road. Uh, we were invited to present uh, on a, a national stage at the Next Church Conference. Uh, it's a organization within the Presbyterian Church. Uh, we presented before our presbytery. We co uh preached a sermon and then uh, co-officiated at a table. Um, and we had engaged in a thought experiment. I had proposed a thought experiment to Jeff and he joined me in this. Would it be possible to have a conversation where I put, instead of the best of the conservative world up against the worst of the progressive world, which is typically how, how we do things, right? We always give our own tribe uh, the benefit of the doubt, and we, you know, we pick and we find the worst thing about the other tribe. This happens politically. It happens in a thousand different ways. And I said, Jeff, what if we flipped the script? Wonder what would happen to us individually. What would happen if we shared this? I'll put up the worst of the conservative community, what I observe of my own tribe, the things that frustrate me and disappoint me, our sense of kind of theological haughtiness, that we have all the answers, that we're always right. Um, uh, uh, We tend to be a little uh, conservative in the sense we don't do change very well, right? Um, um, We sometimes can be a bit legalistic. We can, if you don't agree with us, we might brand you as a her- heretic. Again, this is the worst of the, the conservative community. Up against the best of the progressive community, I appreciate the heart for the outsider, the heart for the downcast, uh, the, the, the commitment to justice uh, and, and, and commitment to caring for the poor, uh, etc. cetera. Um, a willingness to change and sometimes even stretch boundaries. Uh, so, you know, trying to be generous and gracious. So I did that and then Jeff did the same. He put the worst of what he perceives in the progressive camp, kind of his own tribe, up against the best of what he sees in the conservative community. I'll tell you, friends, it's a really hard thing to do because we, we have trained ourselves and we've committed ourselves to always uh, privileging and benefiting our own community, our own belief system, and we tend to demonize the other. So this happens politically all the time, right? This is, this is the script for every political ad that ever was. All the good things I have done and my tribe have done, you know, the Republicans or Democrats, and all the horrible things the other people have done. Flip the script. My worst against your best. And then you do the same. Your worst up against my best. And all of a sudden, boy, it really pulls you together. Anyway, Jarrett recalls that whole thing he he saw the conference he was at the presbytery meeting I can't recall uh, if we discussed if he ever came to one of the presbytery uh, forums anyway he asked permission to tell that story going from Elijah and Elisha to different people both on the same task of proclaiming the you know the, the the work of Yahweh being prophets but coming at it differently and and so Jarrett, so he, he, he preached the sermon back on July 3rd, and so I, I, I listened to it last week, and I, I was moved by it um, to hear him retell the story, because he knew some of it from watching it. He knew some of it maybe from the other side, but he wanted to hear my side. J- Jarrett would be a progressive, and so he wanted to hear it kind of from my side and, and, and the like. And it was very interesting to hear one's own story told by another. And it was lifted up as a model for such times as we are living in, to to be able to find expressions where we can be in collegial relationship with people that we may disagree with, but that we can seek a higher goal or a higher purpose. so I was very moved by that and appreciated um, um, that uh, Jarrett uh, preaching that sermon. And then just this past Sunday, I um, uh, had occasion to listen to another sermon by a colleague. This is another person that I've worked with, um, Jessica, worked with um, on a number of presbytery uh, efforts. And similarly, uh, Jessica would be a progressive. I would be conservative. And yet we have found a way to be in conversation together together. Um, we, we can set aside some differences recognizing that we might read scripture differently and, and come to some different conclusions on, on, on some issues of significance, but we can share respect back and forth. And so uh, Jessica has invited me to serve on a panel discussion. She works um, part-time at Georgetown Presbyterian and part-time with the Presbyterian Foundation, which is a development arm of the Presbyterian Church. And uh, she's putting a panel together in September uh, and wants to talk about how, as pastors, how do we cultivate generosity, kind of financial and other forms of generosity, in polarized times. And, and as we spoke on the phone about the panel last week, she mentioned that um, she's aware of churches where there are conservatives and progressives in the congregation and they withhold their, they threaten to withhold their tithe or their pledge if the preacher doesn't preach certain kinds of messages. And I just expressed dumbfoundedness. Well, one, we don't do pledges. We don't do a stewardship campaign. I said, Jessica, we're not even passing the plate anymore. It just sits in the back and, you know, people drop checks in or make online donations and she was she was equally dumbfounded. How how do y'all do that? How does that work even? Um, and I said I don't know, but we you know make budget plus every year you know for twenty one years and have built a building etc. So she was very glad you know. So she says yes, be on the panel. In that conversation, she said she's preaching on Sunday uh, at her church, Georgetown. Uh, on the parable of the Good Samaritan, and we got talking about the parable. And I made some comments, just you know, how much I love that that passage and how it really speaks to this whole issue, because the Samaritan, you know, we've got it in our mind that the Samaritan is kind of the good guy. But we don't have any sense of how how despised Samaritans were by the early. I mean, you know, by the, uh, the the Jewish community at that time, they were considered half-breeds. Dogs. Um, there's a whole history. There's a whole sermon there to 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 to, to, to explore. Um, and she said, but it, she she reflected on how our friendship, you know, across theological lines, was important. So anyway. She texted me. I came out of church on Sunday, you know, just a couple days ago. And she had texted that she had given me a shout out in her sermon. So I went later on Sunday and uh, watched it because it was live streamed. And and in the sermon, she talked about our conversation. And I had said something that it almost had been a, a kind of a passing thought, you know, that we're called to love the neighbor in front of us always, no matter who that neighbor is. And that's what the Samaritan did. The priest and Levite walked on by, but the Samaritan loved the neighbor in front of them, the one who was in need. And I said to Jessica, so not only are we called to love the neighbor in front of us, but we're called to love the neighbor beside us who may not want us loving the neighbor in front of us. Do you catch that? We're called to love the neighbor in front of us, but we're also called to love this neighbor too, and this neighbor may not want us, that that neighbor may not love the neighbor in front of them, and they may not want me to love the neighbor in front of me. And sometimes that increases tension. And then she told, uh, she, she made a point by uh, theologian, Amy uh, Jill Levine. And I want to try to get this right because it's pretty nuanced. To hear the parable in the, contemporary context, we have to see ourselves as the person in the ditch. We never think of that. We're always thinking priest, Levite, or Samaritan. See ourselves as the person in the ditch. We're the ones beaten, left for dead, right? And then the question, is there anyone from any group about whom we'd rather die then receive their help. So you're in the ditch and somebody comes along and says, hey, can I help you? And you say, forget it. I, I would rather die than have you help me. So, um, and, and so speaking right into this reality of the, the polarized world that we live in, if a Democrat was in deep need And all of a sudden, uh, a known Republican came along and tried to offer them a need. Would the Democrat receive that need? If a Republican were in deep need and a Democrat, known Democrat, an opponent, came alongside and offered to help them in their need, would the Republican refuse that need? If a Christian was in great need and a Muslim came along to meet that need, would the Christian refuse the assistance of the Muslim because I would rather die than be helped by you? What a different way, because it's speaking to the reality of sometimes our hatred of others, our demonizing of others goes so deep I would rather die than have you help me because all of a sudden I don't want to be indebted to you. Uh, I don't want you to be able to lord that over me, any number of things. I'd rather die. Okay, interesting. Because the parable's all about mercy, of course. So three sermons, one by Rachel, um, who my understanding may even identify as a bisexual a faithful exposition of Colossians chapter 1 about the reconciliation of all things through Jesus Christ. Though she might be on a different side of the uh, perspective on the row reversal, she spoke wisely, pastorally, graciously. Jarrett, lifting up a friendship, though he and I are on different sides of things, he saw something in that friendship that I had with Jeff that would be worthy of lifting up. I no, no, no credit to me, just that Jarrett lifted that up. And, and the, the, the softening of the room that, you, that happens when you tell of a friendship like that. And then kind of a casual conversation with Jessica, but, but out of a context of friendship and collegial that makes it into the sermon that gives me occasion to hear that sermon. Then all of a sudden I go, oh my goodness, this is the world we live in. There may be people in this world that would rather die than receive mercy from somebody else. May it never be so, Lord, in my life. May I be willing to be helped by anyone, whoever they are, no matter what their beliefs, skin color, language, custom. And may we always be those who show mercy, no matter what. No matter the need of the neighbor, no matter the neighbor, <laughs> their beliefs, their skin color, their language, their, their, their um, ideology, their politics, anything. May we always be driven by the Spirit of God to show mercy to the neighbor in need because that is the point of that particular story. So anyway, just reflections on three sermons uh, there's great value. I don't I don't get to go to church that much. I loved going to church Sunday and hearing Austin preach. It was great. I love when Eric preaches, it gives me an opportunity just to be fed. and so it was interesting uh, the, the, the blessing and, and benefit and joy that I've had. So I pray that you might also be gracious. He might listen um, uh, attentively, wisely to other voices, certainly beyond my own. Um, And may we always be gracious and generous in all of our engagements with people, especially towards those with whom we disagree. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift and graces that we find in uh, the Church of Jesus Christ. Those who love you, uh, uh, yet, yet who may practice their faith in ways different than our own, Thank you for these three expressions, for these colleagues, Rachel, Jarrett, and Jessica, and the opportunities uh, that their messages have been to to, uh, refresh my heart. And so may we all grow in mercy, in grace, in truthfulness, but also in humility, that we might be your servants in this world. Hear us as we pray in the name of the Savior, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, may God bless you and keep you this day. May he fill you with a heart of mercy and compassion that you may move towards the need of the neighbor in front of you and beside you, this day and forevermore. Amen.